listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today we're going to be talking to you about this subject of seven tips to become extremely productive, to produce at a high, high level. And um, I think this starts with understanding what the Bible says about diligence versus laziness or, uh, you know, you said it earlier, you know, we might say in our generation, when we talk about hustling, um, you know, being diligent, you know, I think one of the, um, I think one of the things that people, I've, I've heard people badmouth this and be like, you don't need to be using that word hustle. You know, we're not hustling anybody. Like, it's like, we're not cheating people out of anything. It's not like a street hustler, but we're, we're using the word hustle as like a basketball team would, you know, you're working hard, you're going after it. We're talking about diligence. So when we say hustle, we're really referring to diligence. And that's something the Bible does teach hardcore for God's people. I mean, you read the book of Proverbs and you're going to see that uh, often mentioned. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that people, um, and I'll dive into it in a, in a more later in the teaching, but one of the things that when I was thinking about, okay, what can I share about things that I've learned that have helped me to get more things done in a smaller amount of time is that so many people, that whole idea of this wealth transfer that Ted was talking about, people think that that means that they don't have to do anything and that they can just kind of like, well, God's going to bless my business, but he, he blesses the work of your hands. It's still, you still have to do things. There's still strategies that you can do. And, um, I think that there's ways you can skip levels and you can do things in a supernatural way, but it still takes doing the work. It still takes asking yourself, how can I do this better? How can we get more done? Even, you know, and this applies whether you have your own business or whether you're working as a team, um, whether you work for somebody else and you want to put yourself in a place of you know, possible promotion because you're looking to move up where you are working um, or whether you know, it's a ministry setup like this is. It's still going to apply. I think that that's where people get stuck is they kind of feel like, well, God's going to bless it. But you have, you have to give him something to bless. It's you have exactly. to actually do the work. Stop right there and, and please... Please put that in the comments. I wish I could yell that to people in their eardrum. <laughs> like what's, I've, I've encountered situations. Put that in the comments. You have to give God something to bless. That is so massive. You have to give God something to bless. There, if there's nothing to bless, you know, like I, I love that, that she used that phrase, he blesses the work of your hands. You've got to do something in order for God to bless it. I was thinking back to the, the early church and the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit worked with them and signs followed. The Holy Spirit didn't work for them and they didn't work for him without any of his help. He worked with them. You've got to do something. You know, it makes me think of second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, when three armies aligned themselves to come against Israel, even though God was going to fight their battle for them, the prophet still said tomorrow you're going to go out against them. Like not go out because he expects you to fight the battle, but you still have to do something in faithfulness mm -hmm. to show that you believe God and what he said is going to come to pass. It takes action. And so you've got to give God something to bless. That's so big. 
I wish I could tell that to so many people without them being offended. But there are people that just kind of sit back and they're just waiting. Yeah, they think it's going to just fall in their lap because they're a Christian, because they serve the Lord. And you might be doing all of these other um, scriptural principles. Absolutely. But you have to still, there are still things you have to do. Like mm -hmm. you have a business, you still have to, you know, make a website. You still have to like do the things that Marketing. are required <laughs> in a business mm -hmm. um, to be successful. And so I think that that's where, especially like in the Christian world, people kind of get stuck. And there's kind of like two parts of that, but I, I will touch back um, on that. But um, like Ted was saying in Proverbs, um, one of the first verses that I wanted to pull up was Proverbs 13, 4. Um, it says, the appetite of the sluggard craves but gets nothing, but the desire of the diligent will be abundantly satisfied. And then I pulled it up in the Amplified because I liked kind of how they said it there. The sole appetite of the lazy person craves and gets nothing, for lethargy overcomes ambition. But the soul, or the appetite, of the diligent who works willingly is rich and abundantly supplied. So, I mean, I feel like you can't even read the book of Proverbs without coming to the end and understanding that, like, God blesses diligence. Yeah, there's like, no at question. The end of, like, there's no, like, there's so many. There's so, Proverbs 12, 24, the diligent person will rule, but the slothful will be put to forced labor. Yeah. Proverbs 14, 23, in all hard work there is profit, but merely talking about it only bring, brings poverty. That's exactly right. And I think that that's... Uh, that's, I mean, that's a whole other topic. People I think who talk one of my about favorites, doing things, but don't actually do them. One of my favorites in Proverbs is uh, Proverbs, I think it's twenty two twenty nine. 29. Uh, the Bible says, do you see a man who is skillful or one translation diligent in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So uh, if you want to, Hampton said, what are the Proverbs that we just listed? Proverbs 13, 4. Proverbs 12, 24, and Proverbs 14, 23, and then finally, Proverbs 22, 29. And I like that. He'll, he'll stand before kings. He'll not stand before obscure men. So look at the people who are like the best at what they do. They're the ones that get called when it's important to do what they're doing. Absolutely. They're the ones that get called. It's like, you know, if you've got an important event, like a wedding, Mm -hmm. Right. You're going to call someone who is experienced and skillful at what they do, not somebody who's picking it up for the first time. Like, oh, yeah, it's just a hobby. I've taken maybe, you know, 30, 40 pictures and I'm learning my camera. And it's like, OK, I'm not calling you to do my important wedding photos. I'm calling the one who's been diligent, who has advanced, who has uh, mastered their craft or is, you know, on the road to mastering the craft. And so that's what that scripture means. It's that you're not going to do things, catch this now, you're not going to do things that are insignificant. You're going to do things that are very significant when you put diligence to your calling, diligence to your ministry, diligence to your business. Now you are going to not stand in obscurity before obscure men, but you will stand before kings. It's, it's talking about the fact promotion comes when you are able to add diligence to your calling. That's why we talk about the fact that we're always hustling. We're always doing something to grow. It's because we don't want to ever be stuck in a, a, a time warp where we're just, you know, you can tell there's some people that when they've stopped producing, you can tell what year they stopped producing. You can tell what year they stopped pressing in because they're still dressing like that year. They're still dressing like 1997. Of course, that would be back in style now. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like they've just been frozen in time 
because they stopped producing. And that's never who we're going to be. We're pressing in and we're going to grow daily, grow monthly, grow annually. It's always going to be never ending increase until Jesus comes. That's not accidental. That is us putting in the time, putting it. I like say that um, quote again that you got from James Clear on stealing that from from comfort. I like that. Um, well, the basic uh I don't have it in front of me, but he basically says that we all have the same amount of hours in a day. And so you can look at what other people are doing and you can say, man, like I was going to do something like that. Like, oh, he launched a podcast. I've been wanting to launch a podcast. And you can sit there and you can just, you know, you can be bitter about it. But the fact of the matter is that person decided to put in the work. Like they decided, you know what, they're, and I think a lot of people get stuck in that. Like everything has to be perfect before, you know, Mm -hmm. and we want excellence, absolutely. But too many people get stuck in never moving forward because they don't think they have all the right pieces aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so his idea is that we all have the same hours in the day. And so you can look at what somebody else is doing and you can, you know, have that jealous feeling of like, man, like that's what I wanted to do. Or you could take that energy and say, you know what? They did. They put in the work. They so now I'm gonna take that energy and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it myself. Mm-hmm. And his whole idea is that you don't just get extra hours in the day. Right. You're gonna steal those hours from comfort. From comfort. So if you're in a place where you work a full time job and your dream is to write a book mm-hmm. or God's asking you to start a podcast or you want to start a business or whatever the case may be, you're going to have to steal those hours from comfort. You're going to have to say no to Netflix and spend hours on YouTube learning right. how to do something. You're right. going to have to steal them from what other, you know, what you consider are hours of comfort. You don't just get extra hours in a day. That's you right. have to steal them. And think about this too, which is crazy. Somebody just posted this on Instagram. If you think, cause there's people that will even say that about basic dedication, like going to church. Someone posted, you know, like, well, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to go to church. But then when you do the study on it, if your church on Sunday did an average service of two hours, right? There's only 52 Sundays in a year. So a two hour service that ends up being about four days worth of being in church at the end of a year, four days. But then they compared that to the average amount of hours that someone watches Netflix in a week, which ended up being like 45 days in a year. So you have 45 days of your year available to watch Netflix. You, you don't have four days available of your year to go to church. So it shows that people, they do what they value. Mm-hmm. They do what they value. And if you haven't placed a value on your calling and a value on your ministry and a value on your business, then you won't put in, you won't steal the hours from comfort yeah. in order to make that work. You'll just let it drift. And I'll be honest with you. Just by doing the work, just by being diligent, you will put yourself in the top 15% of anybody in ministry or business. Because I can't tell you how many people that I've met that are coasting through life. It's, and it's not even that they don't have a good heart about it. It's just that like, it's almost like they don't know what to do. So as a result of not knowing what to do, they just kind of coast and hope things work out rather than like figuring it out, like figure it out. And know, you know, figure these things out. What's necessary, you know? So we're going we're gonna to give you these. But, you know, people think that it has to be this, like, massive change in order to be, uh, you know, effective. But you don't, it doesn't always have to be some, like, huge life-shattering change. Yeah, absolutely. There's this idea of... Um, 
there's this idea of micro changes will bring about macro results. And so it's this idea that you can look at what you're doing, how you're planning things, how you're going about your day, and you can make really small changes, mm -hmm. but in the big picture are going to create these, you know, these big results. It's a small change. It's yep. a small habit. It's a small, you know, little tweak here and there of something that's not working or mm -hmm. you're not seeing results in. It's not this big, like, I need to change everything about how I do my life. Right. It's, there's small changes that Micro, you can make. I love that. Like, think about, like, think about an analogy, a ship. Mm -hmm. You ch change it one degree. That's a tiny, tiny direction change. Absolutely. S travel that way for 30 days. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in a completely different part of the world yeah. than if you stayed on the one degree to the right. Absolutely. Um, and so a lot of these things are not going to be these, you know, I've got seven tips that I wanted to share with you that I felt like were the top um, things that I could think of when it comes to producing at a high level, but they're, they're not going to be these, you know, you might not listen to them and be like, well, that's not like anything earth shattering. Right. But if you think of it as a micro change is going to produce a macro result, that's kind of where, where I'm coming from. I thought about it. Like when I first wanted to do things that were, uh, more healthy and I am by no means any kind of health expert as anyone watching this broadcast will know, but I will tell you this, um, just making a small change. I remember back, I mean, I haven't drank, I haven't ha been drinking, you know, regular pop soda, whatever you call it in your part of the world. I've not been drinking regular pop for like years. Like I, I don't, I don't drink like sugar soda. Now I did end up switching to diet soda, which is terrible. I understand it's terrible, but uh, so I will tell you with sugar, the moment I, that's not a massive, like life shattering diet change to cut pop out and just not drink pop anymore. But when I did it, I lost, within like the first month, I lost like 10 pounds yeah, just not drinking mm -hmm. soda. That's not like changing my whole diet up. That's one tiny little thing that like when I got off of it, it, it produced, you know, there, how many people do you know? They're like, man, I need to lose 10 pounds. How many people know that say that? Well, that's like so many people's goal. I did one tiny little thing and it produced that change. You know, and then finally I'm at the place now where I'm, I'm off of diet soda and Brought to you by Dr. Zevia. I mean, like a natural, you know, naturally sweetened soda. Small little things, right? Small, small little things that will that will help you. Um, and so I think that's exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't have to be really what it is. It's consistency yeah. in micro changes. Yeah, absolutely. Like what if you just walked for 30 minutes a day until your heart was at like a, you know, 80% of your maximum heart rate? You know, that's us walking for 30 days is not going on like a 30 mile run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you make a micro change and how's it going to affect you? It's going to affect you in a massive way throughout your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I say that to like encourage you. Don't feel like you're, you have, you know, if oh, I'm going to be producing at a high level, if I'm going to get this business off the ground, if mm -hmm. I'm going to be one who's putting myself in position for that wealth transfer, like Ted's talking about, that's going to, I'm not going to have time to do all of this stuff. These are super small little yep. micro changes, but they're going to make, they've made such a big difference in how I work. And it's things that I've seen when I look at high capacity, um, people who are doing really big things and doing a lot of work in a small amount of time. These are the things that I feel like I've, I've pulled away from them. Now, before we jump into the seven, one thing that we should say, and I think a lot of these really deal with this thought is that time is our most valuable resource. Absolutely. It is the yeah. currency of success. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I really think that's absolutely true. Time is the currency of success, not finances. Because literally you could lose everything and if you spend your time right, you can get it all back plus more. 
So it's not finances. It's not gear. It's not any of those things. It's time. Mm-hmm. Like if you use that right, that's that's what makes the difference. And you yeah. can never get time back. That's the other thing. Yeah, and they, you know, you always hear about people in their last moments of life. They're not looking back at anything else except how they spent their time. Yep. You know, like that's that's the one thing that you can you spend it all day every day, but you never get it back. So mm-hmm. what you're spending your time on, and. I'm not saying that like to be a high production person so that you can just work more and more and more and do more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's going to be you're going to you're going to up level, you're going to grow, but the the whole um, you know, the value of being efficient with your time is mm-hmm. that you get more time to do the things that aren't work related. So the more efficient you are doing what you love, you're you're going to grow that thing, but you're also going to have more time to spend with your family. You're going right. to have that time that you feel like you don't have because you're not using your time well right now. So let me ask you a question before we jump into the seven. Do you think that people who are, you always hear them say like, oh, I wish there were more hours in a day. You know, do you think they say that because they are poor time managers? Well, I have said that many times. <laughs> I wish there were more. I wish there were more of me and more hours in the day. Um, but I think that it, it's exactly like that James Clear quote. Like, we all have the same amount of hours. So no matter if you look at people doing amazing things, and I always look at myself like when my schedule is super tight and I'm getting a lot done and I'm like, oh, if I just had a couple more hours in this day, I always think of like, there's people doing more than I am. There's people who are doing what I'm doing and also, you know, taking care of their family and, you know, have kids. And so there's always going to be somebody who's doing more than you. And I always use that as an encouragement to myself of like, okay, when I feel that way, it means that, you know, my margins run out. I I haven't given myself enough margin. So I think that we all have the same amount of hours in the day. And when you make these kind of micro changes that we're gonna talk about, it's going to get you to that place of feeling like, okay, like I, I have more time because you know, there, there's always gonna be days when we're working on really big projects here. I, there are days where I'm like, oh, if I just had a couple more hours. But at the end of the day, I have to look back and be like, you know what? I used every hour to the max. That right. was, I'm one person. I did the best that I could do. And, but I do, I do find that people get stuck in that. Like, I mean, any, anytime somebody says, I don't have time for that, mm-hmm. or I, I just don't have time. She has more time than me. Mm-hmm. It, it's, we all have the same amount of time and you, you put your time into what you value. That's and true. so a lot of people will say that I wish there was more hours in the day, but they also are watching Netflix. They also are goofing off. They also are spending all of their spare time scrolling Instagram when they could be getting things done. Totally. So there are, there are definite things you can use it as like a conviction as far as like, well, let me be introspective. Did I use my time well right. or did I not? So. Let's jump into the seven. So put these in the in your notes. Put them in the comments. These are going to help you immensely. Um, seven keys to produce at a high level and dealing with time. First one is what? I would say know when you work best. Um, this is something that I'm really big on, and because I think that I'm aware of times during the day, like different tasks are going to require a different type of mental energy and a different kind of focus. So I have the discipline personally to work whenever I need to work. So if it's, you know, I might not love working at, you know, I'm a morning worker. So in the afternoon is kind of when I start to like, it's not my best time to work. But if Ted asked, I need this done, I have the discipline to work at that time. But I'm also, you know, in an ideal world and the way that I plan my every day, I'm aware of the times of day that I work best. So I'm gonna perform 
differently in the morning for me than I am in the afternoon when I'm doing certain tasks. Um, I think that when you know when you work best, it allows you to sort of like properly plan your tasks in the most efficient and productive way possible. So there's certain tasks that I need to do in the morning when my mind is fresh, when I'm not tired. Um, and on the flip side, a task that maybe doesn't take as much creativity or doesn't take as much decision making, I save those tasks for the afternoon hours because for me, that's when I kind of like, that's not my freshest time. Um, and I know not everybody is going to have that kind of schedule. You might be watching and you're like, man, I hate working in the morning. It's in the evening, it's after dinner. That's when my mind starts to come alive. I feel creative, I feel productive. So it, it, the key is recognizing your best time and then if your schedule allows, take advantage of that. Like not everybody, like you might say, yes, after dinner is when I work best, but you also, you know, might be someone with a family and that's family time. So like you might not always have the opportunity to rearrange your entire schedule, but it might mean choosing not to watch Netflix because after you put the kids in bed, you're still kind of in that, in that work mode. So the key is recognizing your best time. And then if your schedule allows, just take advantage of that and kind of like organize your day in a way that you've kind of looked at the big picture and you're choosing when you're going to do certain tasks. Because I find that a lot of people will leave your most important tasks for your worst time of day. Well, and it's, it's, not, it's not even just that. It's like, think about the reason they do that. Most people, it's because those are the harder ones. Yeah. They're uh, important mm -hmm. and they're hard. Yep. So I don't want to do hard work. So, so you put it off. I put it off. Mm -hmm. I put my hard work off. And then you get to the place in the day where it's like, I don't have enough emotional capacity to even do this hard task. And so you do a poor job at it or you just procrastinate it another day. Um, and, and I think that's a big thing. Like knowing when you work the best, you know, one of the things I was reading a book by, um, I think this was in the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Gary Keller said um, that uh, focus, like the ability to focus, willpower, mm -hmm. if you will, is a limited resource. People think they can apply or employ willpower whenever they want to. That is not the case. And actually studies show that. Mm -hmm. That's why like when you get to the end of the day, most people make their, all their terrible choices at the end of the day. Yep. Like, for example, uh, if you are dieting, you know, one of the reasons, they tell you just, you know, go to bed. The longer you stay up, the more temptation at the end of the day when your willpower is down to just to snack or to do something, to eat something unhealthy. Like you've worked so hard all day to not eat bad. And then like you're tired, you've worked, you had a couple of meetings that ticked you off and you're stressed or whatever it might be. And then you get to the end of the day and then you start making bad decisions. All, most all bad decisions are made at night. Actually, I heard a leader say one time, don't ever make a dis an important decision uh, when you're tired mm -hmm. or when you're depressed or when something's trying to mess with your mind. Don't make decisions tired. Don't make decisions under stress. Make decisions when you're fresh. Everything looks different in the morning. Everything looks different. All things change. Mm -hmm. And so you have to guard yourself against this because because that willpower, like you said, for you, um, you're a morning person in that way. You do your best work in the morning. Um, I don't even begin to think until 1 p.m. Yes. No, but in all, in all seriousness, like I, the more, the more the day goes on, I feel like the better I get to like where I used to do all of my very best work at night, like late at night. I do all my best learning at night. Uh, you know, I write, I can write at night. I can different things. And so our, our schedules would be flipped in that way. So knowing when you can do that best work is you know, knowing yourself. That is important.
because you're not going to want to try to do like for me, when I wake up first thing and I'm going throughout the day, like for me, that would not be the best time to do all my most important work. It's like when I first wake up in the morning, uh, you know, but as I went on later in the day, nighttime, like, I don't know if it's cause I'm in revival mode just from being out late all the time, but that's just kind of like my body has adapted to that. So, uh, you know, I, I make, I make that time as productive time for mm-hmm. me or be, it would be opposite to you, but you got to know, because like, like we were talking about, you, you do experience decision fatigue. Yeah, that's like, it's a real study on how it's, it's really kind of a fascinating thing, but like they say that in decision making and psychology, like this idea of decision fatigue is that once you've made so many decisions in a day, like you, your quality of decisions starts to deteriorate. So there's like, it's almost like you have this like mental bank account of your ability to make decisions. And decisions aren't just like these, like, you know, when you say decisions, you're like, you think of these bigger things. But like anytime you're making a choice, anytime you're choosing, I'm choosing this font over that font in that graphic. I'm choosing this color over that color. I'm answering this email. This person needs a question. I'm making a decision by emailing them back. A lot of people will get overwhelmed at something like an inbox because it really is you sitting down and making decisions. And that's why you feel like your mental capacity like lowers the longer that you do it because you're making decisions. Um, And so the key is to recognize like, yes, Ted and I would work, we're opposite schedules. I have to start in the morning. I do all of my hard stuff first. I save the easy stuff for the afternoon because I know that's when I start to kind of like lose focus. And he's the opposite. He kind of has like a slow, slow ramp going. And then by the time I'm ready to check out for the day, he's like, I have all these ideas. (laughs) So we're kind of like the opposite um, as far as how we work. But I I think that one of the things I found was really interesting is that you know, with 2020 and a lot of companies, you know, having their employees work from home, I saw so many companies realize how efficient it was to have their employees work from mm-hmm. home and kind of choose their own schedule. Yep. Because even in, I mean, we, we see this in ministries, we see this all the time, like people think they have to have this nine to five because that's when people work. Like you have to work from nine to five mm-hmm. or you know eight to four or whatever. Um, but actually like that doesn't take into account, especially when you're working with creatives yep. who come alive at night and ha- start having all of their ideas. When companies were just letting their employees like, okay, like, this is the work that has to get done today. I don't care when you get it done today, just get it done today. When they gave people, like when people were in charge of their own time, and there's a difference in that too. If you are in an office from nine to five, you are going to stretch your workout from nine to five. Sure. Because that's just how we are as humans. If I have to be in the office, I come in at nine, I leave at five, I look at my to-do list. Okay, well then I'm not gonna like hurry and get it all done because I'm gonna sit there with nothing to do for the afternoon. But if I'm in charge of that nine to five and I know that I can be done when my work is done, then I'm gonna be super efficient because I know that as soon as I get that work done, I can be out the door doing what I love, I can be home. Um, And so I, I just found it was really interesting that companies were kind of seeing, oh, all right, well maybe like let's not feel like we need to keep our staff working from nine to five because that's like the traditional structure, but instead just being like, here's your list. I need it done by tomorrow. You get it done when it works for you. Just like seeing, I think a lot of eyes were opened at how um, efficient people would be. Well, the other part is, and I read this again in that, I think that was that book, The One Thing by Gary Keller, because it's dealing with uh, focus. It's dealing with doing one thing. Uh, Part of his thesis is uh, multitasking is a lie that nobody effectively multitasks, Mm -hmm. Um, that you have to either be all the way focused on this one thing until you switch to this one thing, but you're never truly multitasking. And one of the studies that he cites in that book 
is that when someone stops by your desk or someone stops by your cubicle, it takes the average person, think about this, 45 minutes after that person's gone to get back to the place of focus and diligence that they were before the person stopped by their desk. Mm -hmm. You move that to working at home, none of that's happening. You've got nobody stopping by your desk and asking to talk and getting a snack and whatever. There's none of that talking, you're at home. So those distractions immediately are eliminated. So no wonder people were like more productive from home. You don't have all of the office distractions that are going on. And so you can be singly focused and you can be banging that stuff out. And, and really, like she said, that's a benefit to you because now I got that out of the way. I can spend time with my family. It's like my kids, you know, my daughter woke up this morning, Brooklyn, and she, you know, being a, being kids that are homeschooled, you know, it's like, you're not going like, I have to sit in this class for 50 minutes. Then I have to sit in this class for 50 minutes. It's like, if you finish your work, you can be done for the day. And then she got up this morning. I think Brooklyn was up at like 7:45, and she like, when I came out to get my coffee, she was like on the couch. She was like, dad, I've already finished three subjects. I'm halfway through school. She was halfway through school, at like eight o'clock, you know? So it's like, you know, you can be done. You can play the rest of the day if you want to, or you can do whatever you want. You're at home. You can focus. And there, there is a benefit. See, this is one of the things that I think destroys uh, the productivity of, of employees mm -hmm. is that when you put somebody that's good on that type of a system, it's, that's how they feel. It's yep. like, well, I'm just going to drag it out. Yep. There's no benefit to me being efficient and getting done quickly. Yep. There's no benefit to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So it really is detrimental to that, that kind of a worker to work that way. Because like, why would I work quickly? Why would I work, you know, like get it done all before? There's no point in me doing that. And so that yep. I, I feel like that. So you have to, uh, that's why when we're talking about working for yourself, you know, being your own boss, working for your own business, working for your own ministry, whatever it is, it is a benefit to you to make those hap things happen efficiently and, and, and moving quickly. And part of that uh, moves us to number two, which is you've got to plan ahead. Yeah, it's definitely connected because you can't just know what time you work best. You have to kind of plan ahead accordingly. Um, you always have to look at the big picture and see your schedule for what it really is. And I think that that's something that, I mean, it's something I always have to keep in check because I can look at it and be like, oh yeah, I can totally get that done. But you have to be looking at the big picture, look at your schedule and say, okay, but what's realistic for me mm -hmm. to get done within this time? Um, and I think that one of the major keys to high level production that comes underneath planning ahead is never start your work day without knowing exactly what you should be doing yep. ever. Like I never want to come in to the, you know, the office in the morning and be like, what should I do today? What should I work on? Like I come in and I know on my way to the office, this is what I'm doing first. This is what I'm doing second. Um, so at the end of the day, something that just really helps me, and it, again, this is one of those perfect examples of a micro change that makes a macro result, is that I just write out, here's the first three priorities of the next day. Like that takes zero time to do before you leave. Like and, just and, and on a post-it. you're saying on the day before. On the day before. Yeah. Before I leave the office, you know, the next day, or even at home, when you're shutting your laptop down for the night, okay, the next time I come back to my laptop, what are the three things yes, I need to focus on? That is huge. Because you'll waste so much time. Yes. It's such a time waster figuring out mm -hmm. what you need to do. At the end of the day, the day before, you know what needs to get done. So it doesn't need to be a whole schedule. Like I do know people who time block their schedule and God bless them. I think that's amazing. I can't work like that. 
but I at least come in and I know what three priorities have to get done. And then from there, I get into a flow. And so yep. then once I'm in that flow, then it's no problem. But in the morning, I mean, it's kind of like when you don't know what to watch and you're like scrolling yeah. Netflix and you're like, I don't know what to watch. And you watch these trailers and you're like, nah, I don't really like that. And you've watched five minutes of it and you're mm -hmm. like, nah, I don't really like that. And then before you know it, 45 minutes has gone by that you had to watch a show. And now it's like, well, now I'm just going to go to bed because I didn't even find, any, I didn't even find anything you, that I wanted to I'll watch. I'll give you two examples from my life that like I use this technique to stay extremely productive um, and continue to learn and grow. Um, anybody that watches YouTube can attest to the fact it's a black hole that can suck you in for hours. Mm -hmm. You can go from YouTube video, recommended for you section, whatever. One of the things that I do relatively often is I'll open up YouTube on my phone and I'll just start scrolling the recommended for you because it's algorithm learns you pretty quickly. I mean, like mine knows me very well. So I'll just start scrolling through the recommended for you. And if I see videos there, and mine has a lot of tutorial videos because that's what I watch. But as I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oh, that looks like a really good video. I'll just tap the three dots and add to watch later. Like I'm adding to watch later all the time. And then what I do, because I have YouTube premium, is that when I get into that watch later section, I'll start having all those videos download to my device. So now if I've got a three hour plane ride, which I often do, I pop that iPad open and I've got all those things that are gonna teach me something and I don't have to think, well, what should I watch mm -hmm. on this plane ride? I have my tutorials lined up and downloaded and ready to go for the things that I'm interested in, the things that I've gotta do, and all I gotta do is open that playlist and start playing through those videos on the flight. Same thing with articles. I may be scrolling Twitter and see this article and be like, oh, I need to read that article. I don't read it right then. I will click that article and I will either send it to like a, I, I, I usually send it to an external app like Instapaper, which Instapaper is like a, a, a self-curated newspaper, which is like all the articles that you want to read. It's a watch later for reading. It's a read later. And then what it does is it sends it there, downloads the article to your phone so that even if you're offline, you can read it. And then I never have to seriously, I wonder what I should read today. Like I've got a, a list of articles that I've been meaning to read. And then, you know, and we've, we could talk about this forever, but like making decisions ahead of time never keeps, it, it keeps a place where you're never in that no man's land where you're like, well, what should I do? What should I watch? What should I read? It's already set in place and making decisions ahead of time will actually help you to get things done um, that you have to get done, but sometimes there's a buffer that's that's a, a hindrance that would stop you from doing it. For example, uh, it's the laying out your workout clothes the night before with your shoes, mm -hmm. everything in one place. You got your key, you got your you know your shaker bottle, whatever that you put your your smoothie in, all that stuff. You put it in one spot, so all you have to do when you wake up in the morning. Because how many of you can put your hand up in the comments and be like, I meant to work out today, but when I woke up, I was like, I don't want to find my clothes and get my shoes and find my, get my, why don't you do it all the night before? Your, your, your smoothie, whatever you're shaking up, whatever it be, your protein powder, your pre-workout, it's already in the fridge in your shaker made. All you got to do is open it, shake it up. You've got your clothes set out on the ironing board. Your shoes are right there. It's boom, put them on. Some people I, I've read, they'll even put that stuff on and sleep in it. So all you gotta do is roll out of bed, throw your shoes on, get your shaker, you're out the door. So it's making these decisions ahead of time. What does it do? It removes hindrances out of your way to get the task done. That's what making a list the night before does. It's that you're not, you're never like, oh, what should I do today? You've already made the decisions 
ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So even though you're tired because it's the morning and you made these decisions when you were fresh. So now I just pull up the list. Oh, I got three things to start today. And here's the sub bullet points of how I got to do each thing. Boom. I'm planning ahead ensures these are small little things like making a list isn't a life shattering thing right exactly and it's something that's i feel like because it's not an earth shattering thing people don't see the need for it of like oh i'll just you know when i come in tomorrow but it makes such a big difference because if you think about like i'm coming in like for me this is my best time you know the morning is my best you know i'm not necessarily a morning person mm -hmm. but it's when i work the best so like if i can just force myself to get up grab a cup of coffee, sit down at my desk, I can get so much more done than at any other time of day. Mm -hmm. So I've recognized that and I capitalize on that to make sure that I'm getting all my important tasks done first. But if I'm spending any time trying to decide what should I work on first, that's stealing from my mental bank account mm -hmm. that I could be spending towards getting things done and being done faster. Totally. Um, so if you think of it this way, like you wanna budget your time kind of like you budget your money. And I don't know a lot of people don't think about it that way, but you wanna have an emergency fund of your time mm -hmm. by planning ahead. If you, just like if you, um, like if that whole idea, I don't know if it's Dave Ramsey that came up with it, but the idea of like, if you don't tell your money yeah, where to go, it, it will often. decide for you. Um, well, time is the same thing. If I don't tell my time, this is what we're doing, this is how we're spending our time, then my time, I mean, the world has no problem like taking up your time, yep. doing any other things. Um, and so I find that it's, you know, it's really stressful to live in that place of overcommitment. Like you've overcommitted um, your agenda. You've overcommitted your calendar. You've said yes to too many things. Um, it's stressful living in that place because you haven't planned ahead. You haven't looked at the big picture. Um, and I consider myself to be a relatively efficient person. I'm always trying to learn how to do things better. Um, but one of the things when it comes to planning ahead that really helps me um, is to be realistic with time frames and deadlines. And so if you're frustrated with things not getting done, evaluate your planning. Like, how are you planning your week? And how are you planning your work hours? Because there's going to be a lot of things as a business owner that you work on that are not going to be things that are um, easily checked off on a to-do list. If you've got building a website on your list of things to do, that's probably not gonna get done the next morning before 11 a.m. You have to kind of break it down into smaller pieces. So it takes planning ahead and saying, all right, well, in order to get you know the homepage done, I need to do this, this, and this. And it's probably gonna be broken up even smaller than that. Um, but you wanna create margin in your time. And anytime that I feel like, you know, how we said in the beginning when you're like, man, why can't there be more hours in the day? Like anytime that I've felt stretched too thin or like there's not enough of me to go around or I've said yes to too many things and um, this is something that I have to keep in check. Like, did I not plan well? Did I not plan for what the reality of my schedule was going to look like when I said, yes, I can do this? Um, by planning ahead, I set expectations accordingly. And it doesn't mean that I say no to things all the time. Like I don't, you know, say, you know, if Ted asks me to get something done, I'm, I'm not like, no, I can't do that. My, I've already planned my day. I've already planned what I'm gonna do. But it gets me in this place. What I mean by planning ahead is that I look at that thing that he's asked me to do and I say, okay, well, um, do I need to move something around? Does this now take priority over something else on my list? Do I just need to switch it around? Is what he asked me to do, is that something that can wait? Um, so you just want to plan ahead and have the big picture in your mind all the time. Um, I feel like, and this kind of goes like what you were saying as far as like even thinking ahead to plane rides, high production individuals are extremely aware 
of what needs to be done, mm -hmm. and that allows them to jump into productivity quickly. So yes, making a list the night before is definitely recommended. You start your day, you know what you're going to do, but I'm also constantly aware of things that need to be done because that means that I can look at an extra 30 minutes of maybe unexpected, like that's an opportunity to get something done in a totally different way. I don't waste that 30 minutes. I look at that as like, okay, well, I know what I can get done in 30 minutes. Yeah. I know what I can get off my plate in 30 minutes. So when, you know, we're traveling and we're at an airport and, you know, our plane gets delayed. Well, I can take that, you know, extra 45 minutes and I can get so much done in that 45 minutes. And it doesn't mean that I'm not taking advantage of rest time because there's going to be times, it doesn't mean you have to work all the time. You don't always look at your schedule and be like, oh, well, I have, you know, all this time, I should just be working. I shouldn't be resting. I shouldn't be doing anything fun. It means that I would rather get that work done in that 45 minutes in an airport terminal when there's nothing else to do so that I can have that 45 minutes of free time when I'm not stuck in an yeah. airport terminal. So it's just kind of having that mindset of planning ahead always being ready to jump into something productive, having, you know, if you are in a, uh, if you're learning something new, if you're learning a new skill, you have YouTube videos ready to ready watch. To go. You have articles ready to read. You have books downloaded to your Kindle ready to go. Um, the and thing, I think that the that's thing a big, is though, like, thing. people like that, that, even doing something like setting yourself up for doing these things, if you don't care, mm -hmm. you're not gonna do any of that. Like. And this is where you get with some people, like I was talking about earlier. If you don't care about what you're attached to, what you're a part of, then, you know, and it's, it's more frustrating than, than ever to see somebody drop the ball and still not care. And they're just like, it's like an oh well moment. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, sorry about that. We'll try better next. It's like, they don't, they're not, and, and that brings us to number three, you have to be attached to the vision. Number three, attach yourself to the vision. So they like, it's, it's full ownership. Right? Though you may not even be, like what if it wasn't your business or your ministry or whatever? You have to make choices and take actions as though you are the one that owns the business. You are the one that runs the ministry. That is where the best production comes. People that have that mindset, like I'm so attached to this that I take full ownership of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like when, when it's your business, um, you know, when, when it was just my business and I was working full time, there was no one else to get the work done except for me. Um, if I didn't do it, no one would. If I didn't do the steps that were required to book the clients, then I wasn't getting paid, which means I didn't have an income. So like owning my own business and being full time in that really taught me the, the necessity of diligence because if I didn't do it, no one did. But there's a difference when you come to work for somebody else. So whether you work for a ministry, whether you're watching and you're just part of a team, like we said earlier, if you're in a workplace and you're positioning yourself for promotion, you wanna attach yourself to the vision because you wanna get to that place where it matters to you like it was your own. Like Ted just said, like when it was my business, like when you have a business like that, it's like your baby. Like you think about it all the time, it's yours, you're excited about everything. It's like, you know, you launch your website and you're sharing it with your grandma, like you're so, like everything is exciting, it's yours. But then too often I see people work for other people and that same attachment isn't there. That mm -hmm. same, um, it's not as important to them and it doesn't matter. And when it matters to you, it will directly affect your productivity. Because, you know, I think one of the things I've had to learn is that being part of a team now, there are other people on the team to help get the work done. Right. Praise the Lord. That's not just all about me. But I have to still 
pull my weight and I still want to work as if it is depending on right. me. Because if you can you imagine like if everybody on your team, whatever it's a business, a ministry, even like if you think about your coworkers, if everyone you worked with worked like it was all depending on them, mm-hmm. how much would get oh, how my much goodness. would get done? Yeah. And Dylan's even mentioning the book, uh, The Extreme Ownership, mm. uh, which I think, wasn't that written by a guy in the Navy? Yeah, the I, yeah, I think I sent that to you when I was at Barnes & Noble, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it's a just phenomenal thought process. There's another one, no, the, the one that was written by the guy in the Navy is called It's Your Ship. Oh, and, but and this is still thought. a military guy, I think. Yeah, he's I think he's a Mar- from the Marine Corps. Yeah, it's like some But like of. the Navy, the guy that was the, uh, he was in the Navy, he wrote a same thought, It's Your Ship. So like, mm-hmm. If any, if it goes down, it's no one's fault but yours. Exactly. Like if that, that's the, it's Jocko Willink, yeah. Navy. Oh, he was Navy a Navy SEAL, SEAL yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jocko wrote Extreme Ownership. So Navy SEAL, this guy was like a, um, what do they call it? No, you're not a general in the Navy, but you're a. Oh, it's nice that you thought I'd know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what are you if you're, but anyway. Commander. No, uh, no, no. He was, I don't think he was, I think he was even higher than that. Yeah, but. Captain. Somebody will put it in the comments. <laughs> he, he wasn't a SEAL. He was like a. Uh, I can't think of it now. But anyway, he wrote that uh, It's Your Ship. An admiral. admiral. Yeah, he's an admiral. So uh, It's Your Ship. Same thought. It's an, it's extreme ownership. That's what he was. If you're running an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. where there's 6,000 people on your aircraft carrier, you know, it doesn't matter because the way the chain of command works in the military, it always goes back to the person above you. Like if, if, if I'm a sergeant, let's say I'm a sergeant, I have all these men under me. If, if my mission fails... I go back to answer to my commanding officer. He's not going to say, hey, how come your guys suck so much? He's going to say, you have a problem. I tasked you with getting this done and you failed. He's like, well, you can't be like, well, my men. No, no. I gave you authority over your men. You had to win. And so that's how it is with your business or your ministry. It's like when I stand before the Lord, right? And, and the Lord says to me, like, how come, you're, how come you didn't do in your ministry what I asked you? I'm not going to be like, well, Tiffany, you know, she didn't work, and Zach, and, you know, and Jenna, and Carolyn. And the Lord's going to be like, no, no, I called you. You were the head of the ministry. And if it, it's like, for example, I see this happen a lot. Like, you go to a place, right, ministry or a church, whatever, business, doesn't matter. There are people on that staff that absolutely suck at their job and have no business mm-hmm. being a part of that ministry. They have no business being a part of that job that 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 business and because the owner of that business like well you know i've known them for so long and you know they're just a good person is like that is not a pre-qualification for holding that position at your ministry or business because you will stand before god especially if it's a church or ministry and you can't say well the reason that we dropped the ball so much you know i knew her since seventh grade and you fire that person and get somebody that can do the job effectively. Still be friends with them on the side, but don't make them a part of your business and ministry because you got to take ownership. I w- I am the one who will be held accountable if this fails or if this succeeds. And so you have to understand that like there's people their staffing is in serious trouble because of how they choose to staff. It's like, well this guy's a good guy. This guy needed help. If you staff, if you put somebody on your staff because they needed help, you need help. You need help. And, that, and that's a problem. So you have to attach yourself to the vision. I, I think of this too, though. Another reason that people fail so much is because, like, say me, I'm a leader, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. If I'm not communicating to you properly what I need, and then I can't be frustrated if you don't complete it because you had no idea what you were expected to do, like, at all. Yeah, no, that's I That's think- number four, by the way. Communicate. <laughs> Skipping ahead. I will catch up. Um, I think that... 
I am a big believer that 99.999% of any frustration is always a result of a lack of clear communication along the way. Mm -hmm. Like expectations weren't clearly communicated, vision wasn't clearly communicated, instructions weren't clearly communicated. Um, and I don't mean that it's always just, well, somebody else wasn't communicated. I have to be introspective on, did I clearly communicate what I needed, what I expected, what I um, was hoping for, like all of those things. If you work as a team, if you work in your business, if you, I mean, this works if you're a business and you've got clients, if you're a business and you have customers, this works if you are in a ministry and you work as a part of a team, if you're in a workplace, whatever, whatever the situation, this applies. If you are not clearly communicating all these things, like if you're feeling frustrated, you can almost always pinpoint, go back and say, you know what? It's because something wasn't communicated. Yep. That's why I'm frustrated. Well, there's a reason that I jumped ahead because part of it is these two things go together. So here at the end, we're talking about when we're talking about attaching yourself to the vision, we're talking about people who think outside of the box. So when you go to communication, there are some people that will only ever do the exact thing they're told. That's it. Oh yeah. They absolutely. don't go beyond that. So you did communicate, but now I've got an employee that still frustrates me because like I still have to tell them mm -hmm. every single thing that I need them to do. I, I might as well do it myself because like I hired you to take pressure off of me. Like, so that I'm not having to think of everything so that I'm not having to go and walk you through step by step. Now there is communication because some people may not know what it is that you're expecting. Expectations need to be set. Uh, there's some people that need to learn some new program or some new thing that you may know that they don't, that's fine. But like if every single day, I have to call every employee and be like, now today, I need you to do this, 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 yeah. this, this, and th that's a waste of my time. I might as well not even have that employee. And so that, putting these two together, yes, there needs to be clear communication, but I'm also looking for employees that can think outside of the box. You know, there's a great book by Dan and Chip Heath called Made to Stick. And it's a thought that they took this thought from the military, something called Commander's Intent or CI. What that means is, once battle plans are set, they change. They change. You can't make a true war battle plan because you can't predict all the movements of your enemies. So you could, you could say like, hey, we're gonna do all these things in this battle when it comes up. You go out onto the field and your enemy does something completely different, it changes your whole plan. So rather than have to go back and the commanding officer have to be, well, now that they've done that, you don't have time in battle to do that. Well, now that they've made that move, what we're gonna do is we're gonna move all of our troops here. It doesn't, things have to be made quickly. So commander's intent is this, here's the end goal. This is what I want done. Whatever you got to do within these parameters to get this done, do it. So you create the intent of the commander. That would be me. And I would tell her, I want this done. I don't want to walk through every decision you make to get it done. I just want it done. Now I will give you parameters because I'm not going to tell you just whatever it takes to get it done. Well, if it takes a million dollars, you know, I'm not going to have you spend a million dollars to get that done. So I will set parameters as long as the budget is within this and this, and as long as it can be done in this time and this time, that's all good. Make the decisions along the way. I just want this done by this day. And that's what I've given it to her. I don't have to think about it again. She's going to think outside the box. She's already been communicated to about what she needs. A good employee though, will also do this in communication they will receive communication from the one who's leading the team or whatever. 
And they'll say, but a good employee, you know what they'll do? They'll say, all right, now let me think about what he just told me to do. Now, what questions do I need to ask to make sure that I am fully understanding all the things they've told me? Because one of the things that makes me probably more irritated than anything is when you're like, oh, hey, I need you to do this. And then you, you, you ask for something and then a person comes back like, oh, I didn't realize you meant that. It's like, okay, well, if you didn't realize, if you weren't clear on what it was, ask a question for crying out loud, freaking ask a question because there's nothing more irritating than thinking that your team members understand what you expect and then coming to find out the deadline hits and, oh, I didn't understand that you meant that that's what you, well, then why didn't you ask at the beginning of the project, not at the end when the deadline is here and that that'll get you fired quicker than anything because it's like, the, the communication is, it's a two-way street. It's not just like team leader gives communication. If you're a team member and you're not fully grasping the whole thing, good team members, they ask penetrating questions. You know, well, is there a certain date you want this done by? Is there a certain budget that's, that's set for this project? Are there any other team members that you want to be involved in this? Is there any specific, I mean, there's all these questions so that they can properly then accomplish the task through communication and understanding. But it's not just your boss communicates to you. It's good employees communicate back with penetrating questions so they get it right. They get it right the first time. The thinking outside the box thing is huge because it comes to the point of, um, you know, I don't want to be the, and this is part of being attached to the visions, why I combine the two. I don't want to be the only person that sits around and thinks, how can this ministry expand? I don't wanna be the only person thinking that. Yeah. I wanna hire people like Tiffany and people like Jenna and people like Zach and other people that are part of the team that wanna that want be like, you know what? I wanna expand. And I like that we have all people like that on this team because like yesterday, Zach sends me a message. I saw this new style of video that I like the way that it's edited. I like the way it looks. I think it would be great for our the way that we communicate things. Do you like it? Is there anything you'd like me to do to add that kind of thing? And it's like, I'm not the one searching out like, oh, I need to find more videos, styles. Like he's doing that. She's thinking of things. Like when she came on, we were on one style of website setup and all these other different systems. And we totally changed. Why? She had a better way to expand the ministry and make it better. She had better systems. She had better tools, which we're going to get to. But the key being, uh, I'm not the one always thinking, what's the better way to get this ministry expanded? I've got other people that are also thinking that way because they're attached to the vision. Mm -hmm. And then they're communicating those things to me. And then I, obviously I have to make final decisions, but there's some things I'm like, I don't want to make those decisions. You make them. Ben said, hire smart people and then let them be smart. It's so good. So good. I'm making a t-shirt with that, Ben. No, it's so true. Like the reason that Zach is sending like ideas like that is because he's attached to the vision. Like it makes a big difference. It not only makes a big difference in seeing all the areas where we could be better, um, you know, cause we are, we're a team that like, we're constantly like, did you see this? Like, oh, yep. I like this. And you know, I, I was thinking about this and you know, becoming problem solvers. Like yep. that's what we really want to be. And, but when you're attached to the vision, it makes a difference. You're not going to be just an employee who just does, oh, well he said he wanted, you know, he said he wanted this, but instead being like, well, I'm going to treat this like it's my vision. And, and it doesn't mean going off in a different direction and doing your own thing. I'm staying within what he's asked me to do, but it gives me the like, you know what? Well, I can, I'm, how can I go one step above and beyond? Because it, 
as somebody who's attached to the vision, it bothers me when things are less than excellent. Mm -hmm. Like it bothers me when, you know, things don't go right. And we've been to places where, you know, you can tell that the people on staff are unbothered by their lack of diligence and their lack of that, excellence. Like you can tell that they're unbothered by it. And that, to, to be somebody who gets bothered by things not being excellent, to be around somebody who's unbothered by it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's really difficult. That would happen on my team once. I have no grace for that at all because I don't need to know any more about you than that. That's all. I don't need to know more about you than that. That right there is a pure sign to me that you don't give a crap about this ministry. Yep. That would happen one time and that's it. You'd be gone so fast, so fast. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about any, anybody that did that. She would never do that. But, but I'm just telling you like, that's the kind of thing right there that you would be separated from this team so quickly because if you had an attitude that like, yeah, this failed and I dropped the ball and it was like completely but like, you know, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll try to do it. But I don't know. I don't know. It's like, you're gone, man. You're gone. TJ, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable that you're uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable. Uh, It's true. It's like, dude, I can't deal with that because if you're not, that's a sign. That's like a big sign that you are totally uh, unattached. You're totally unattached from this Mm -hmm. ministry. You're just pulling money out of me. That's all you care about is just making money. Yeah, and a lot of people are like that. Go make money somewhere else because I don't need you. God will bring somebody so much better than you. And you have to think like that. Don't ever look at yourself like as a needy uh, team leader, a needy Mm -hmm. business. And Carolyn and I made up our, our minds like we'll work, we, this is before we had anybody on the team. We're like, we will work endlessly to make sure this ministry is, is what God wants it to be. But then God will send the right people to be a part of this ministry. But we made up our minds early. We will never hire somebody because we're needy. We'll never hire somebody because they need help. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because if somebody needs help, we'll just give them a, an offering. You know, I've heard that, listen, there are ministers that do this. Like, well, there's this guy in our church. He really needed an opportunity. He really needed help. And so, you know, we put him on staff and started paying him. It's like, what a stupid, stupid idea, a stupid idea. Cause it causes problems. Cause if God didn't pull that person to your ministry, you're in trouble now, man, you're in big trouble. Cause now they're not just sucking resources out of your ministry. They're sucking your time away. Cause they don't give a crap about what they're called to do. None of that. So. We made up our minds early that we would never, ever, that has to be Jenna (laughs) commenting as me. That's why their staff is trash. And I agree. I agree with Jenna. I agree with Jenna. And, you know, it's like, dude, if I can see you're unassociated, you're unattached, you're not, you don't have the vision. I don't need you. And we made up our minds. We will never hire someone to help them out. I would rather just give you the money. And just say, listen, we want to bless you. We see you're in a, in a rough situation. Be blessed. I don't need you doing any work for me. Just be blessed. You know what I mean? And so I, I just, I, this stuff blows me away. So one of the things I appreciate about Tiffany and Jenna and, and Zach, as we all work together and Carolyn, is that we do our very best to be as organized as possible. Because it, one of the things, it, it does us no good to be like, oh, we communicate. I just can't find the communications anywhere. Yeah. It's like, what's the point of that? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you did tell me that, I think, but I don't, I don't know where, I don't remember where you did. I know people that have their whole staff at a church, 11 people, 12 people on a staff, and they're all on a text message thread. 
that makes me like feel like I have bugs crawling all over my skin. Like to think like, oh yeah, you told me that back in August, didn't you? And then you're doing this for a half an hour. <laughs> Hold on. So true. <laughs> Hold on, it's still loading. <laughs> oh shoot, someone texted me in the thread and I lost my <laughs> scroll backs. That makes my skin crawl to think that that's somebody that's like so inefficient in their ministry or business that they, all their communication is being done on a group text thread. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, we, we've moved to something called Slack. Our whole ministry changed. We moved to Slack. Slack is a communications application that allows you to separate your communications by project, by project, so that you have all these different channels within your Slack uh, application that allows you to say everything in this channel is based on this project only. And then you know what, when this project is done, we archive the channel, it's gone out of our thread. And we say like, okay, all these things. So if I need to know, this is how great my team is. If I'm going to a meeting where I'm, you know, it's just me and Zach or something, cause I know, be very honest with you. I know nothing about anything. And if you think I'm just joking, it's true. I know nothing. I don't know what time I'm flying out. I don't know what airline I'm on. I don't know what flight number it is. I don't know what my layover is. I don't know what my rental car company is. I don't know anything. I don't know what hotel I'm staying at. I know nothing. I know nothing. All this stuff is done. And so I don't know. I don't know who the contact is at the church. They all know that. I don't know it. And so I can open up my Slack, go to my Slack channel and say, okay, here is your, let's just say you're meeting for Atlanta, Georgia in one channel. I can see screenshots and information on here's your flight. Here is your rental car. Here is the price you should be paying. Make sure it matches when you're at the desk. Here's your times. Here's your hotel. Here's the contact at the church. Here's all, here's the direct, here's where you're supposed to be. Here's the times you're supposed to be all the things. Here's who's got the product. Here's what the, when the product has come in, whatever. Here's all the slides you need for this, whatever. All of that is under one channel for that meeting. Mm -hmm. It's all organized for me. All I have to do is pop my phone open and all the information's already there for me. I don't, and I can go to any project that we're dealing with. And so not only are we all attached to the vision, not only are we all communicating, we have systems and tools mm -hmm. that allow us to organize that information so that we are on top of whatever we're supposed to be on top of. And it helps us because nothing's more annoying than getting a group text of something that has absolutely nothing to do with you. And you're, and now the team's talking about it and your phone is losing battery by the second because your phone is blowing up with something you're not even a part of, yep. right? It's like, I don't even have anything to do with that project. Stop. And then well, what happens? Then you put your phone on like, okay, here's my text on that text message. I'm putting it on do not disturb because I don't want to see all the bings. Then they move on to something you are involved in. You're not getting any of the updates because you were annoyed that they were texting you about something you're not a part of. So with Slack and systems like that, you don't have to be in any channel that you're not a part of that project. So if it doesn't apply to you, your account is not connected to that channel. And so as a result, your phone doesn't blow up with stuff you're not a part of. Thank you, Jesus. I've left channels because I was originally in them, but then they moved to things that I had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. And so I, my, now my phone's not blowing up and I can go in and look at the information anytime I want to. Yeah, and Slack is free, by the way. Yeah, it's like free. We, we don't, we're not even at the place where we use the paid thing and we, we use it a lot. Um, but one of the things that 
I like caught on right from like the very beginning of working for you guys was um, like how Carolyn, like from her previous work experience, learned the importance of paper trails. Paper trails. So like that was one of the things that I noticed that she was so strong in right from the beginning was that like paper trails, like if there is a need for a receipt, if there is a need for, I asked you to do it this way. If there is a receipt for like, no, 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 I emailed that company about these shirt colors, here's the thing, anything like that. Um, you know, just counting on your email is not ideal. Like, so um, it's Slack, it's S-L-A-C-K. Yep. Um, and so one of the things that Slack really helps us do is it keeps paper trails of everything. Yeah, so that does. like we make sure that there is no, because, and that brings us into communication being an issue. So if you are, um, you know, when you don't have a system for your communication, you open the door for frustration because you're asking yourself, okay, well, where did he send me that? Did he text me that? Did he email me that? Did he airdrop me that? And the nice like, thing is Slack has a search function. Yes, search you can search everything right in Slack for where things are. Um, and you know, there are gonna be times where we might have to send a text because you know it was faster, but overall, because the important thing, which we'll get into next. But even is if we the, talk on the phone, I'll be like, okay, I agree with all that, put, put it, put in, it Slack. in Slack for me. Yeah. Because even if we, I don't want it to be a phone call, like she may need to call me because she needs quick answers on something and we're talking through an issue. Yep. I'm like, all right, thanks. Now please put all that in Slack for me. Mm -hmm. So all the whole, uh, you know, and now we'll use things like, it's amazing, like she could open her iPad while she's on the phone with me and turn on an app called Otter. Otter is gonna transcribe the entire uh, thing she said on the phone right then. It's already in text format. It's auto, and that's free, is it? Or there's a small price for that? Um, it, it's free, you can only record up to a certain amount on the free plan. So like literally she can turn on Otter and it is transcribing all the things she's telling me as she's on the phone with me. And if she put me on speakerphone, it would transcribe both of us and show that there's two different speakers and show which person is saying which thing. And then she could take that transcription and she could export it and drop it right into Slack in a channel that matches. That way we can see everything that is said exactly. Otter even timestamps it. Yep. Like at this point in the conversation, you said this, and it has everything done. You export that transcription of the phone call, drop it right into the Slack channel, and then we have the whole phone conversation transcribed. We have everything, date, here's the date that I put the, because when you put it in Slack, it's also timestamped. So here's the timestamp when I added the conversation. Here's when we talked about it. So, cause here's my biggest, biggest irritation. He said, she said. Mm -hmm. With yep. businesses ministry, I can't stand he said, she said. We've, I hate it. We've used that transcription um, tool and in the, in the links for, um, if you're watching online in the podcast, I'll put, I'll put the links to all these things we're mentioning because I'm not in the back, so I can't type it in. Um, so I'll add those links in for all these things. But like we use that transcription, like we don't have team, full team meetings very often because we're not often all in the same place. Right. But there was a couple of times this year that we were, we were traveling together and all of us were in one place. And so we had team meetings and we used that because a lot of our team meetings are brainstorming meetings. We're going over ideas, we're you know thinking. And even if we're taking notes, it's one of those things that just save time. And I've had to go back to notes where we were like, did we decide that? Did, mm -hmm. is that what he wanted? Is that what, is that what Ted decided? And we've gone back through and it's something that didn't take hardly any time to do. I literally just press record when we were on there. It transcribes it. We put it in Slack underneath that team meeting. And I was able to go back and be like, okay, no, here's the part in the conversation. We decided to do this because there is, we cover a lot of information a in lot. those meetings. And so that saves that the he said, she said, we'll be like, oh, 
oh, well, Ted wanted this. Oh, but no, I thought Carolyn said this. Like, that's real life stuff that happens yep. when you work in a team of trying to remember what did we decide? We were right. talking about this. Did we decide to go in that direction? And um, the thing that I like about that app, Otter, is that like, it recognizes that there are different voices speaking. Yep. And then it'll say like, you know, like speaker one, speaker two, speaker three, but then you can go in and put names to those and be like, speaker one was actually Ted, speaker two was mm -hmm. Jenna, speaker three was Tiffany, speaker four was Zach, speaker five was Carolyn. And then it, it learns the voice attached to the name that you gave it. And then through the whole transcription, it'll say Jenna. And then what she said, Zach, what he said, Carolyn, mm -hmm. what she said. And like, literally you have a, a full transcription of the meeting without having somebody sitting there typing it all out like this. Yeah, because then they can't be a part of the meeting because they're typing. So like if they're a part of the team and their input is just as valuable, you don't want them sitting there like having to just, you know, try to remember everything. Yeah. Um, but the thing that that's why to have a system of communication, not only in time and efficiency and productivity, but what happens is that if you are frustrated because of a lack of communication, you are going to end up being frustrated with people when it was really just a frustration that like there wasn't a system in place. Right. So if I'm frustrated because I can't find what, you know, Zach sent me because I can't, was it in Slack? Was it in a text message? Was it an airdrop? Then I'm going to be frustrated because I'm frustrated that like Zach didn't send it to me. But no, the problem was that like we didn't have a system and I didn't properly save it in the first place. Then I've got to reach out to Zach and be like, can you resend me that? Then he's got to stop what he's doing, yep. messes up his productivity to resend me something that should have been properly saved in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it, it really like it all works together. It's not just to have like the latest app, which we do get excited about, but it, it's it's going to save your communication and clear communication is going to be everything to your long-term team piece because you're right. not going to get as frustrated with people when it was not really the person you were frustrated with. You were just frustrated because you couldn't find something. Like yeah. you were looking for that Photoshop file. What you file, were really frustrated you know? with was the lack of a system. Right, exactly. And, and like we, we try to think this way and you should think this way for your business or ministry or whatever. What if God just exploded this business? What mm -hmm. if he exploded this ministry? Are we able, see, because God's not going to harm you with increase. Yep. He wants the increase to be a blessing to you, not a, not a detriment to you. And if, what if he did, what if he took you into an explosive growth period, you wouldn't be able to handle it at your current level of systems. So why not put scalable systems in place? So that no matter, no matter whatever the, uh, the quantity was or whatever, uh, it, 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 that wouldn't change anything because your system still works yep. right in that size of ministry or business. So that's why, like when we thought, okay, we're going on television in 180 nations of the world plus, and we want to make sure that every single person that is saved, because I don't go to those nations are discipled because we're not called to make converts. We're called to make disciples. So what are we going to do to set up a system in place so that we can use what is you know, cause we can't have them calling our ministry from like, you know, Afghanistan and you know, we're not going to build a call center and then who's doing that anyway. I mean, everything's on the internet nowadays. So we want to build a system so that when someone is saved, they can instantly be disciples or discipled and that we can stay in contact with them and stay. So what do we do? What we did is that we decided to build a system and you guys know it as the what's next discipleship program. We made it all digital. It's all online. It's all free. You can access it from anywhere in the world. The moment someone gets saved through watching our television broadcast, they go to one link that's on the screen. They fill that form out. 
When they fill it out, that's the only thing that they are required to do. When they do, they get, an, they get onto an automated email chain that provides them with information, provides them with resources and content, and gives them access to the free discipleship program. And then we go into that program and we can see everybody that's signed up to be a part of it, how far through it they've gone. We can see in Slack, uh, because we've got connect, connected to job forms and other things, mm -hmm. we can see all of the people getting saved in real time, in real time, just like 24 from the 19, <laughs> early 2000s. Uh, we can see in real time, my phone will start, it was going off yesterday, just got saved, just got saved, just got saved. I can see who the person is, what country they're from, when they filled out the form, when they got saved. We know they're being added to the automated list. They're being now in contact, they're in contact with us and we're getting them discipled. They're getting them signed up. We're getting them free resources. They don't have to wait until I can send them a mini book all the way to Afghanistan or whatever it might be. Instantly, you're getting information. Instantly, you're, you're contacting our ministry. Instantly, we're giving you resources. I don't ever have to think about it. She doesn't ever have to think about it. You know why? A system's in place. Yep, all automated. And it wouldn't matter if we went on television throughout the galaxy and aliens started getting saved on other planets and they started contacting our ministry. It would go straight to Venus and Mars and other galaxies because it's all on one system. Yeah. And we never have to sit around thinking about it. Which is so important. I mean, and we are believing for that. One of the things. Aliens are coming <laughs> into the kingdom. Good. One of the things that we always, um, that's something we always ask whenever we add something new, whenever, you know, when I, we meet with Jenna about partners, because that's, you know, something that she works with, we're always going back to like, okay, that works now. Does that system work when it's yes. 100 full? Does that system work when there's 100? Is it scalable? Is it scalable? Because it's so much easier. We talked about this the, our last broadcast, but like it's way easier to create a system before you technically need one than it is before it's too late. And like now we're now we've got people. I mean, it, it's and again, this is ties into attaching yourself to the vision. When we were thinking of like, okay, we're going on television. What's our process? What happens when someone gets saved? Because we are all as a team attached to the vision of this ministry, all of those steps mattered to us. Yes. We were thinking about, okay, well, somebody gets saved watching our TV program in South Africa, then what? Like, then what? How do they, like, do we just, like, hope they come back and watch our TV program the next week? And, like, they're not. So we had to come up with not only a system. Okay, how can we do this that's going to be a system that's all automated? But all those steps, because we attached ourselves to the vision, we thought about, okay, well, if I'm just getting saved in South Africa and I've got no church, I've got nothing, how can we make this so easy for them so that nobody falls through the cracks, everyone's given the opportunity to, you know, they get the email, they get access to the What's Next Discipleship program. It's yep. a podcast if they want to listen to it. That's right. Then they get added to our weekly email. So every week they get what our ministry is doing. Here's our new things. Here's what we have for kids. Here's what we have for students. Mm -hmm. So because we're attached to the vision, we weren't just like, okay, we need, um, you know, a form on the website for just got saved so that Ted can see when someone gets saved. Right. No, it mattered to all of us when we're like, okay, how can we make this, uh, you know, how can we make this a system? But yep. like we cared because the vision matters to us. That's like right. it, it would bother us if somebody fell through the cracks and they didn't get discipled right. because, you know, that that's part of the attaching ourselves to the vision. Um, no question. But as far as like tools and systems. Well, think, think about this. People, they don't even, simple stuff. We have a church. We have, at our church, you know, we have like 45 people that attend on Sunday morning. So we have a guy that comes in and church starts at 10. So he comes in, you know, 
around um, 9.15 and goes into the office and he prints off all the bulletins from Word on our printer and then he folds them so he can hand them out at the door when the people come in. It's like, oh really, is that scalable? What if you had 1,300 people next week? Like, is dude gonna come in at 9.15 and print 1,300 bulletins off on, on your printer in the, in the front office and hand fold 1,300 bulletins and, and make sure that he's at the door handing out, like, that's not sustainable. Well, you know, we have a kids class, but we really have like 15 kids right now. So Sister Sherry goes out um, to uh, Walmart on Sunday morning and she grabs snacks for the kids. And then she comes in and, you know, she just sets it up. It's like, oh, really? Is she going to be able to do that when you have 400 kids in the kids class? Or, or is, is there going to need to be a system that's scalable so that the kids can always have snack and Sister Sherry's not pulling her hair out? And that brother Daryl who comes in and folds, you know, right now 40 bulletins that now he wants to shoot himself because he has to fold 1,300 bulletins because it, it's not scalable. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So make sure whatever you're setting up for your business or for your ministry is scalable, that it's going to work at any level of growth and that it's, you know, people, can, God can't promote ministries and businesses and he can't. Because remember this, God loves you. God doesn't want your ministry or your business to be a source of dread for your life. To like every time you think about doing your ministry, you're like, I hate this. I can't believe it. Or, or you, every time you think about doing your business, you're like, I don't even want to do it anymore. It's like so hard to do. God doesn't want your life to be filled with dread and anxiety and depression. Why would he push you to a place of, of promotion that makes you dread doing the thing he called you to do? So I believe this. God will keep some people small simply because he loves them. They can't handle the pressure at the next level because they're not, they're not set up for it. And so God will keep, you're not in position to grow, right? You're not in position to be promoted because God doesn't want to hurt you with increase. He wants to help you with increase. So the moment you're faithful to steward what he's given you, now, if you're faithful over little, I will make you ruler over much. Faithful over little. Faithful over little means that I'm doing it in the very best way possible. I'm faithful over this little bit that I have. And because I am, guess what? He'll make me ruler over much. And that, that, that's not going to come until I've learned to be faithful over the little. That takes systems and tools. Absolutely. And like TJ said, like doing, setting yourself up with systems for increase is showing your faith for increase. Mm -hmm. Like you're setting, we weren't just setting up systems for like, okay, well, how's it going to work when a hundred people get saved because of this program? We're setting our faith for that. Yeah. We're, we're setting our faith for the TV program to be a huge part of this ministry. And so by setting up systems, like a lot of people... Um, get stuck not wanting to do systems because they get stuck in the old way of doing things, like the example of the bulletins. Like they think that learning a new system is going to be too hard, and so they, and by say, by thinking that, it makes them think that their manual system is faster because it's the way they've always done it. Because there is going to be a learning curve. It it took a learning curve to learn Slack. It's it's a learning curve to learn new systems, but you have to think of it as like I'm going to put the time in now and learn this system so that I save a multiplication of that time. Yes. Like when we think back to like learning Slack for the first time and how much, you know, the how much work it was to like get familiar with how it works and things like that. And even if you've got people on your team that might not be tech savvy and so things like Slack are really overwhelming to them. But when you think about how much 
what it saved us in the long term, oh. the, the hour that it took to, to learn Slack was nothing, you know, when you think about it that way. You. And that's what systems are. You, they take time to learn in the beginning, but six months from now, you'll look back and if you're properly using it, you'll ask yourself, how in the world did we ever function without that system? Like how in the world did we ever think that filling in that Google spreadsheet by hand was yeah. a good idea, you know? Exactly. Um, I will give you these last two because I know we're, we're already past 12 noon, but um, these last two are very important and I feel like they kind of go together. Mm -hmm. um, all these things, yes, you're diligent. Yes, you're working hard. You got your communication, you got your tools, teams, everything's going right. But the thing is, you don't ever want to be personally burnt out. You know, the Lord dealt with me. I've done broadcasts on it. He dealt with me about the fact I'm not his only worker. He dealt with me about what? Rest. It's important to rest yourself. Be properly rested. You know, you can't produce if you're always worn out. Mm -hmm. You just can't. One of the things I think is so awesome, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, a lot of times I've seen him do this, that before he does his massive conferences, whether he'll do like his bigger ones, like he does four in the year, two camp meetings, two ministers and leaders conferences. And he'll take he and Pastor Adonica away and they will rest themselves. Why? I'm getting ready to pour into all these ministers that are coming. And so I'm not going to try to do that while my tank, you know, I've been like running hard and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go rest myself for a couple of weeks and come back ready to minister to these people that are coming in that need help from all over the country. And so he take, he purposely rests himself, which brings us to number six, keep your tank full. Yep. Work hard, play hard. It's all right to rest. It's all right mm -hmm. to do things that refresh you. Yeah, I know Carolyn's been teaching a lot on this lately because I think just, you know, as a team, as we travel a lot, the things that we have to keep running behind the scenes to keep everything going, in the natural, it can be a lot. And so we always have to be introspective and something that, you know, we're all trying to do is to make rest more of a regular part of our life instead of like waiting till we come to the place of burnout. And then it being this like, oh, well now I need to like, I can't finish this project, I'm now overwhelmed. We've made sure that along the way, we're taking time to rest. We don't let ourselves get to a place of burnout. Because when it comes to a ministry that's growing like this one, when it comes to owning your own business, you're, there's never going to be a day where you wake up and you're like, I think the to-do list is all done. Like, I don't yeah, think I can, never. I actually don't think there's anything I can work on. No, like that's no. never gonna happen. So if you're going to be in that place of like, I just need to work till it's all done, you know, there's going to be priorities that need to get done. Right. But in the big picture, like you have to realize that like that to-do list is never going to be completely well, 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 think crossed about this. off. Mark chapter six, we're talking about not just things that need to be done, people that need to be saved. Yeah, right. absolutely. The disciples yeah. come back from doing ministry, casting mm -hmm. out demons and, and, you know, getting people saved. Jesus hears about what all work they just completed. And he'd say, all right, now get back out there. There's plenty more people dying. He said, all right, now you're done. Now come away and rest. Mm -hmm. Come away and rest. Even Jesus, who backed this up in John 9, 4, we must work while it's yet day. The night is coming where there, no man can work. Urgency. But even Jesus told his disciples, now come rest. You've done work. Now rest yourselves. He didn't even actually comment on their work. He said, now come away and rest yourselves for there's been so much coming and going. We've not even had a chance to eat. So he put a priority on their rest. And so even with, when it comes to eternal life, Jesus said it, there's time that you need to be resting. And, th and that's true in your business, your ministry. Number five, Ava was uh, proper tools and systems, proper tools and systems. Number six is keep your tank full, work hard, play hard, make sure you're resting yourself. Mm -hmm. And do things that refresh you. And resting doesn't just mean sleeping. No. So like 
although that's yes, very important. But like you want to do, I mean, it can be something so like, again, back to that micro change macro result. For me, I love going for a walk at the end of the day. My mind is so full all the time with things. Like I said, being a productive person, I'm always thinking about things that need to be done, projects. If I can just go for a walk and decompress and clear my mind, that's when I come up with solutions. That's when I get creative ideas. There are so, I can't even tell you how many times I've gone for a walk and I've had to like send a message in Slack and being like, I came up with an idea that's gonna fix this because I just walked away, you know, had some time to decompress. And so it's not this, you know, majorly life changing. I didn't go on this, you know, vacation, although vacations are important, but it's just a simple like 30 minutes of just walking outside right. um, for me. But, you know, for you, it might be a sport. It might be right. a for hobby. Me, for me, it's, you know, playing Hitman 3 and killing virtual people in a video game. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Whatever works for whatever you. Whatever works for you. You got to do it. You got to do what works. Totally. And it is important. Because I think people get stuck in that, you know, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know, thank God we are because there's no way I could produce at the level that I'm producing without the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that I don't need to take time to rest my physical body, to rest my mind. Um, and that brings, I think, to the flip side, number seven, remember who you are. Right. So like, you know, yes, you've got to take time to rest. We just talked about the importance of remembering to care for your physical body and your mind to fill your tank, know what refreshes you. Mm -hmm. But on this, on the flip side, I do have the Holy Spirit and yes. he's going to help me in a supernatural way that that's an advantage that I have over any yeah. other business of somebody who's not saved, who's somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Like I know you always tell this example um, in uh, when you're preaching about Mario and how you can like that, that glitch that happened when you could skip levels yep. supernaturally. Yeah. So I think that it's important to keep in mind, and this is something that I have to constantly, whenever I start to feel overwhelmed, I constantly have to remind myself, I have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit teaches me all things. Yes, this might be something brand new that Ted's asked me to learn, but I can learn it. Yep. Um, you have to remind yourself about what the word says. So if your boss asks you, you know what, we're gonna start, they watch this broadcast, now we're gonna start using Slack and now you gotta learn how to use it. Like you have the mind of Christ, you're capable of learning things. Absolutely. Like you can't sit there and be, you know, created by the very creator of the universe, but you feel like you're not creative enough to make a simple graphic. Like right. you can learn how to do it. There's, when you're there's made things. in his likeness and in his image. Absolutely, so you can figure out live stream at your church. You can buy that website domain, figure out how to customize a template. You can figure out that new program at your office. No question. Stop limiting yourself. You have the Holy Spirit. And remember that like your business isn't going to look like everyone else's yep. because you're not of this world. So I'm not financially blessed only because I work really hard in my business. I'm financially blessed because I'm obeying scriptural principles. All these principles that Ted gets on here all throughout the week talking about, you know, how to be financially blessed. Like I apply those in my life. And so it's, yes, it's about resting naturally, but it's also about remembering that I'm also, I have supernatural access to skip levels that other people, you know, other people have to maybe do that work the hard way, yeah. but I can actually have the help of the Holy Spirit to learn something quicker, right. um, to be more efficient. And, you know, we talked about, uh, the online courses and stuff that I started in the beginning, I had no idea how to build an online course when I had that idea to do that. There's a lot of work that goes into yeah. that on building an online course. And so one of the things I asked the Lord, I was like, I wanna be somebody who can sow larger one-time seeds. And that was the idea that I had. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do an online course. That's a way that I can scale my business in a way that I can make income to give a larger one-time seed. And so it's not that I didn't sit back and not do the work and be like, oh, well, God's gonna bless it. No, I asked the Lord, give me creative ideas, give me wisdom, teach me how to do this. I don't know how to do an online course, but I want to 
I, I want to learn how to do it. And back in the very beginning when I started my business, I was watching um, Ted's cousin Jonathan do a teaching on giving, and he said this as a confession to remember. He said, as a generous giver, it's in God's best interest to keep me well-funded. Mm -hmm. And I've never forgotten that. I remember putting it on a post-it note on that desk in the basement of the family that I was a live-in nanny for. Um, and you remember, like, he's going to bless the work of your hands because you honor him. I'm not going to struggle in my business during a pandemic, you know, like other businesses who don't serve the Lord. No way. I have a covenant. I have provision. Yes. And I do my part all of these things, which is going to ensure that God does his. Like, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to learn new things. And that's what gives God something to bless. No question. So number seven is remember who you are. And if you, if you can get all those, I know there's people that say, I missed this number. I missed this number. Just quickly again, let me give them to you. Number one, uh, we talked about the importance of knowing when you work the very best. What time of day is your time? Don't miss good decisions, strong decisions, because you're making them at the wrong time. Number two, plan ahead. It will move hindrances out of your way when it's time to do important work. Number three, attach yourself to the vision. Make sure you're attached, because you're not an I don't care personality. Number four, communicate properly. That's so important. Communicate back to the one that's communicating to you. Number five, use proper tools and systems to continue to grow exponentially. Number six, keep your tank full, stay refreshed. And number seven, don't forget who you are. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You can do and learn all things. Uh, you've got the mind of Christ. There's nothing you can't know. There's nothing you can't learn. You have the Holy Spirit as your helper, your guide, your teacher. And let me tell you, it blows my mind when people say, well, I just wish I could do that. I'm just not very good with computers. You're telling me the Holy Spirit can teach you anything he just doesn't know about computers. It's like, blows my mind. You've got the mind of Christ. You can do it. You absolutely can do it. And your business will flourish. Your ministry will flourish. And I want to pray for you at the end of this uh, broadcast today and ask God to open doors for you that have never opened for you ever. And that miracles and wonders would take place at the end of this year. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open up opportunities, open doors, open windows in heaven for every one of those that are watching. I pray you provide opportunity after opportunity. Let their businesses flourish supernaturally. Let their ministries flourish supernaturally in the mighty name of Jesus. Let this be the best end of a year they've ever seen in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you for that. We give you glory and praise for it in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I wanna give you an opportunity to sow a seed. You know how to do it. All the information is available at miracleword.com. Sow a seed that will provoke the hand of God on your business, on your ministry. I can tell you this, that as soon as Carolyn and I began to sow things that seemed insane, that's when our ministry began to blow up. Every year's been better. Every year has increased because of what uh, Tiffany said that my cousin has taught, I've taught that for years, that if you stay connected to the kingdom, if you are a generous sower, then it is in God's best interest to keep you well-funded because he gives seed, not to everyone, to the sower. And the harvest keep coming back in a massive, massive way. And so I wanna encourage you to sow a seed today. However you do it, just you can do it digitally, you can do it on the website, however you do it, we wanna say thank you ahead of time. And also, I'm very excited about this because it's November. Uh, my father's brand new book, The Camels Are Coming, 
on the gifts of the spirit is available in hardcover edition. And we are sending it to you. Uh, all of you that are partnering with us, all that are standing with us, this is our gift to you uh, for the month of November for those that are uh, sowing seeds and standing with us. Love you so very much. Don't forget, Carolyn is live today, 2 o'clock p.m. You don't want to miss it. A big thank you to Tiffany Farley for all of the great information. I'm going to do more of these. I think that I'm telling you, people need to hear it. Christian businesses, Christian entrepreneurs, these things need to rise, especially in the last days. It's time for the wealth of the wicked to come into the hands of the just. And God's raising up, I call them pillars of generosity, to do what he wants done in the earth in the final moments of time. So we're going to be back with more of these. I think even next week we could do another one. Probably tomorrow. Let's do another one right now. I think we should just cut this thing and move it on long enough. I think we're, it's time to be ready for Kara's broadcast. We love you guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again. Carol will be live at 2 o'clock. We'll see you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.